You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we have a Locked On crossover with myself and the host of Locked On Podcast. We're going to discuss the two most disappointing teams in baseball in the first segment, We'll talk about who's been more disappointing uh, and how these teams have been on a parallel path the last couple of years where they're either good at the same time or both bad at the same time, and they're also two of the biggest spenders in baseball. In the second segment, we'll discuss which one has the better chance of actually making a run this year. Then in the final segment, we'll go through the trade deadline. Will these teams buy or sell, and what kind of a haul could they return if they did decide to sell after all before we get to any of that i'm ryan fickelstein the host of locked on mets i got javi reyes here the host of locked on padres and this has been an episode we've been talking about for a while we're just going to discuss how disappointing uh this season has been for our two teams which seem to mirror each other we were talking about before we started here 2021 good first halves exciting futures they both collapse 2022 both make the playoffs meet in the first round Padres make it to the NLCS, both ultimately eliminated. And now two of the most disappointing teams in baseball outside of the Cardinals. Has there been a bigger disappointment than the Mets and the Padres? Javi, what do you think? No, absolutely not. And and for me personally, I don't think the Cardinals are – now they've been a disaster and they're hilariously, and even though it is partially his fault, blaming it all on their catcher. I just genuinely find that like one of the more unintentionally funny things going on in baseball right now is the Wilson Contreras saga, where it's like, hey, we brought in the catcher who can't play defense, and we're mad that he can't play defense. And then like, it's just funny. But for me, the Cardinals not as much because, and I actually wrote about this a little bit for uh, Just Baseball a few weeks ago, where like, it's it's I use the hot dog meme guy. We're all trying to find who did this. The Cardinals issue for years has been starting pitching and they've just been completely repulsed and allergic to actually addressing that. The only time they did was acquiring your former boy, Steven Matz. So for me, this is, I didn't expect them to be this bad, obviously, but I don't know. It's just not blowing me away. And I think that the Padres had and, and the Mets on top of the, the actual talent on paper, like the Cardinals and such like the, 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 the sexiness, the blockbuster value, the the high payroll, highest in history of, of with the Mets, and certainly the highest for Padres history with the Padres, right? So I think when you take it from that account, I just think that the, these are the two. Everyone was talking about them, and oh no, the, I mean the owners were freaking out. Yeah. They were like, "We need to curtail spending now." Dick Montfort's like, "I think this is bad," you know, like all these things. Instead, we need to trade Nolan Arenado for scraps. Like that's how he views things, I guess. But man, I just. And it's amazing how bad, too. You know what I mean? Not just, oh, wow, we're finishing. We're in the wild card hunt, and they're not going for the division. That's a little disappointing. No, it's like actively some of the worst baseball teams out there, really. I mean, it's it's been a mess. And that's kind of been the story of, I think, baseball in general this year is just no fan base being happy, right? Like, doesn't it? <laughs> which fan bases are happy right now? It's like Atlanta, Miami. Um, Cincy. 
since since he's very very oh they're thrilled right now even if they don't make the playoffs they're thrilled and then like cleveland ain't happy twins aren't happy whoever the heck wins that division is going to be happy is that and then the rays there's like four teams that are happy right now on, on texas there we go that's it everyone else is just miserable this is what baseball does to us man well it's it's a year where i think we all went in and <laughs> it, it's stupid because we all thought oh well all the teams that made the playoffs last year, they're going to make it again. And we always mm-hmm. make that mistake. You yeah. just don't know who's going to fall off, but no one expected some of the teams that have fallen off to fall off. And particularly these two, like you said, you made a good point that I was going to mention as well. Yeah. They were talking about changing rules and you know, the players love the Mets and Padres and they're changing baseball, but the owners hate it. And is this going to, you know, force other owners to spend. And now there's 28 other owners that can just point and laugh at these two teams that, spent big that said screw luxury tax and are now paying that tax while sporting teams that are sitting well below 500 at this weird juncture where it's like, can you win enough for two weeks to justify buying? Can you actually stay in this race or are you just doomed for a lost season on a bloated payroll? It stinks, man. It stinks. And and to those owners, I still think I say this way too much on my pod, but it's like, all right, I know the Dimebacks and the Reds and all those teams are cute. Just go Google for me real quick. The World Series champions of the past like decade, you basically only have the Royals when it comes to low spending teams winning. That would be the counter to that. But also it is true that like a lot of Omers are they're having they're having a blast right now. They're just like absolutely living it up, just seeing how these two teams have failed. And I think like, you know, as you mentioned, we, we do this every year. We kind of even though we keep forgetting, like we need to like carve a tattoo somewhere on ourselves that reminds us statistically speaking there will always be a team that made it last year that will fall out basically every year it's it's more rare when it doesn't happen than it does right and granted i think this i think this year has been to the extreme mariners cardinals padres mets guardians like all those teams i would argue like have are in the falling out territory um but just statistically wise this happens every year and i think that we made a little bit of an assumption it was justified. I mean, my team made it to the NLCS. You bring in Bogarts, you get a full year of Soto, and then you get a mostly full year of Tatis. Um, another person I recently wrote about at JustBaseball.com that people could check out. Um, and then the Mets, it's like, well, they won 100 games, and they replaced Jacob DeGrom with Justin Verlander, who just won the Cy Young, and they brought in Kodai Senga, and you still have Scherzer, and you got Lindor and all these guys, right? And, and they had these young guys, I think there was a little bit more of a plan on the Mets side that I would th- I think is the difference between our two teams where the Mets had clearly plans with their depth and they don't have five guys getting paid for 10 years, right? They have a couple like Lindor, like I mentioned before, right? But for the Padres, it's like, there's just no depth and the Mets. They, maybe they were perhaps foolishly. I don't know. I'd have to ask you expected that Vientos and Beatty and Francisco Alvarez, who I know has been good that they thought those guys would help clean up. Uh, any of their weaknesses and make them arguably better this year. And that just hasn't been happening. And people said it, unfortunately, through the world baseball classic, but it was a bad omen, man. That that's yeah. what it seems like for the Mets season. And it's, I, I hate it because the Mets have been one of the teams that I look forward to uh, watching outside of mine the most. And it's uh, basically, I have nothing to be happy about. It's pretty rough. It's, it's tough because I do want to kind of talk about the plans that each of these teams had, um, and their plans moving forward. Cause I, I can make the argument that uh, the Mets in some ways haven't really kind of entrenched themselves in this particular team as much where 
the Padres, it's like mm-hmm. you're, you're pretty much stuck with what you are. Now, that could yeah. be a good thing because you have so much top-end talent that eventually mm-hmm. you would think they would figure it out. The other you know, side of that is that they can't win now. They're going to be able to win in two or three years. The thing about it is you have gotten pretty good performances from some of these star players on each side, but yet as a whole, each of these rosters cannot figure out a way to sustain winning. And what I want to get to in the next segment here is are either of them going to find that path to sustain winning this season? We'll, we'll, we'll kind of talk through it on both teams. Before we get to that, though, I want to talk a little bit about Daily Fantasy and the Sleeper mm. app. Do you want the chance to win more money with less picks? Well, head to Sleeper where you can take home 100% of your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Sleeper is now offering up to 100% payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you could win big. I know you like Sleeper for the fantasy football season as well, Javi. This is an app that you enjoy playing and and going week by week in that football season. Yeah, they just give you all the data. And for Sleeper picks too, obviously. I mean, we, we, as uh, Sleeper is great, unlike apparently my mic, because – you know, it's always there. Again, we're recording this in the middle. There's no games and odds at the moment. But I'm personally probably going to be taking a little, little little, Manny Machado action. He's been heating up lately. But I also love Sleeper for fantasy football. Just so many quality of life things. You can change your team picture. You know, little things like that. You get a little mascot guy that, like, fights your other opponent's mascot when your teams are playing. And then they have, like, all the data on, like, all the past p- fantasy performances for, like, every year of the player. It's just really cool. A lot of good stuff that they have for the old sleeper app. And I respect and appreciate it very much as someone who is a fantasy addict. Um, and I will be again uh, for the rest of this year, whether it be baseball or football. But uh, yeah, love sleeper, man. Been using it for a while. Yeah, And you can find safe uh, and fast withdrawals with, with sleeper. And if you use the promo code locked on, you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleepers terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. We are back discussing the Mets and Padres here. And look, the road ahead is pretty simple. Win as much as you can in two and a half weeks and prove that you can be in this race to maybe buy uh, is AJ Preller going to double, triple, quadruple <laughs> down on this team and be a big buyer at the deadline? Is there anything left to buy? Is there any hope that they actually can sustain some winning here? So according to Fangraphs odds, uh, currently, by the way, for the record, the Padres are 43 and 47. Uh, again, it's, it hurts me to say that. And according to Fangraphs playoff odds, they have a 32.5% chance to make the playoffs which is obviously fourth among the Diamondbacks, Dodgers, and Giants. But it's not that, it's not horrible, right? And I think that a big reason Fangraphs is up there, and I think a big reason that this is important in the context of A.J. Preller is that the Padres, unlike the Mets kind of, the Mets outside of a couple players don't seem to have been great as a team overall. They've hit some home runs, you know, in, in terms of that respect. They're like 15th in runs, but starting pitching bullpen. The Padres actually have whole aspects of their team that they've been good at uh starting pitching 
I mean, Blake Snell, I he could have been an all-star this year. He's been that good. He's like got a 40% K rate basically over the last like month and a half. Joe Musgrove has like a 1.6 ERA uh, over the last month and a half. And then if you Darvish can get it going, and then you've got Waka and Lugo, who have been great pitchers at the back end for the Padres, that they've been great in starting pitching. And they've also been great when it comes to defense because they have arguably the two of the maybe 10 best defenders in baseball and surprisingly, Fernando Tatis Jr. in right field. And then um, Hassan Kim, who is another one who could have made the case for the all-star team. So because of that, you know, Manny still, they have aspects of their team where they are they have literally been so good. The problem is that they've been just historically bad at driving in runs uh, with runners in scoring position. That's been the story all year. So I think Fangraphs is basically saying, look, we've literally seen them be good at three of the four aspects of the game with the bullpen, starting pitching, and defense. All they have to do is have, with four MVP caliber players, hit okay. And I think that's where the odds are coming from. And they're expecting them to just be able to be good. This isn't them asking, you know, why did Eric Thames come to mind? You remember Eric Thames? Uh, like, like, you know, random Eric Ibars, you know, your average journeyman players to be able to come up and bounce back in the second half. They're asking Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Xander Bogarts to get things going, right? Like, that's not a big ask in theory, assuming that the bullpen starting pitching and defense can hold place. So I clearly think that between these two teams that they have the better chance of making it, albeit it's, it's still going to be tough because they've been showing the whole year that they just, there's a lot of bad vibes. You've got clubhouse rumors that we're probably going to hear hear about later on the season. No, no, um, raccoon fight. Don't worry. We haven't gotten there yet, but um, you know, still, still not great uh, for the Padres, but I don't know about you. I just feel like, that's got to be the reason that the data is suggesting the Padres still have an okay chance to make it. I think it's it's interesting to look at each other's teams from from you know vantage points that are further away because you know I, I can see everything that that you're, you're talking about as it relates to the the quality starting pitching the top end talent and I also wonder if their depth comes back to bite them and and they mm-hmm. they can't find their way through it in the second half and from a Mets perspective. I could completely see how if you're not you're not as emotionally tied to the team as I am, you'd be like, listen, the Mets got the Braves who are clearly better in, in their division and, and way better, uh, maybe the best team in the National League. The Phillies have been performing better, uh, and the Marlins who seem to find a way to win even if it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> the Mets, it, it has felt like at times that they're just not that far away, and – Every single time that I think that this team's about to turn the corner, Max Scherzer pitches and gives up three home runs, and I I, yeah. I scratch my head and I wonder what's happening. Many <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and that's that's where we are. If you're looking at this Mets team, if they ever got Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander to pitch to the back of the baseball card this year, I really think that they have enough talent in that lineup. And there's still a couple of arms that you trust in the bullpen that they could gain their footing. And they just had a six-game winning streak you know, right before the break. But then they, against your Padres, stumbled, lost the last two, lost that series, and we're looking at this a lot differently. If the Mets won one of those two games, I'd be sitting here and say, hey, they won their last three series. They won the last seven of eight games. They're the team that's going to be able to go on a run here. I think the reality of both of these situations are the chances of either of these teams – Making the playoffs and then making a run following it, it's pretty slim at this point. And it leads you to wonder, are they too sort of ingrained in this win-now mode to maybe 
see what's best for the franchise for the next two or three years and sell at this deadline. It's totally, hey, it's a fair point. And I think that with the pods, the, the their, their manager or GM being pretty out there, right? Like he's known for making crazy moves. That makes it possible. And Steve Cohen, to an extent, and Steve Cohen's Mets, the sugar daddy that he is, is clearly not going to be afraid if he's given a good reason to make a move. I don't know what the Mets could do, but, you know, make a move for some high cost player that I can't think of off the top of my head that could help them. Like he won't be afraid of that. So if there are teams that will ignore like the, the odds, you know, like Han Solo, like don't tell me the odds type of thing, it, it would be the Mets and Padres. And I think that's one thing to be excited about. And it's, it's just, you're right though. Cause the Padres have felt the same way. The Padres only won like their third game in a row like for maybe like the fourth time this year or some some crazy stat about how they've never like won three in a row this year. It was only until they swept the Angels recently. Apparently killed the Angels, by the way. Just murdered their two best players and then went about their business. <laughs> Padres are so mean. You guys decide to stink every year and then you take it out on, Mac, on Mike Trout and Rendon and Otani, right? Like, uh, So that's what's happening for them. And then they went against the Mets. They, they've had this feeling of right... Do, do you ever get this feeling you feel like Mets fans are about to believe or is the Mets fan curse so there? Cause for me, like for a Padres perspective, whenever I'm watching games, as my hat keeps moving, by the way, um, whenever I'm watching the Padres games and I'm on Twitter and all that stuff, it feels like everyone's ready. They're ready to ride for the team. They believe in it, but every single time they do, they just punch them right back in the mouth. The San Francisco giant series is one uh, when our, when our just baseball group chat was flaming me as they blew two games in walk-off fashion uh, back-to-back nights, right? Like, every single time something like that seems to happen. And like you said, with Scherzer and Verlander, just, I guess they got old. And it's and it's crazy to see that, like, their best position player is still Lindor. I don't mean that's a crazy thing, but, like, considering it feels like he wasn't hitting well for a while, like, it just shows you, like, wow, like, Marte seems like he's cooked. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just looks bad but he said yeah no he does rough man yeah Marte does look cooked and and i think you know any fan base wants to believe and and, you Mm -hmm. know you you, i think we've gotten to the point uh with the mets where you win you know two in a row you win a series i don't think fans believe they win six in a row their belief trickles yeah. back in and then you lose that series. And now I think people mm-hmm. are back in that same place. So, you know, any, I think either of these fan bases, if they were to go on and win four or five, six series in a row, and, and that's, that's really what it is when you can consistently win series over series, you're starting to see a good baseball team. And each of this, these teams, they'll have that series where they put it all together and it looks great. Mm-hmm. And then they slide back. And I think, the exactly. question is, are they going to run out of time? That's what I want to discuss next because I'm going to make an argument to you why it would be stupid for the Padres not to trade Juan Soto. And that, and that in the business is what we call a tease. Before Ooh. we get to that, today's episode is brought to you by the most comfortable shorts ever, Bird Dogs. My favorite part of Bird Dogs is the fit, okay, because I look better, but I feel better too. I love the khakis because – I can wear them on the golf course. I can wear them mm. out to dinner. I can wear them to church if I wanted to. But you know what? They're so comfortable. I can wear them lounge around the house as well. Bird dogs give you that comfort, the versatility. So much to like when you're wearing bird dogs. And the best part, if you want to order yourself a pair, you're going to get a free gift with purchase. If you head to birddogs.com slash MLB and use the promo code MLB, they're going to give you a free bird dog style Yeti tumbler 
with every order. So if you want to get that free gift with purchase, go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Use the promo code locked on MLB and get your bird dog style uh, Yeti tumbler. Back to Juan Soto and why the Padres should trade him. Here's my my argument to you, Javi. Uh The Padres this year, if they're going to make a run, I think they can make that same run with or without Juan Soto. I think that there is Mm. still enough high-end talent in this roster with Tatis, with Machado, and the fact that they added Bogarts this offseason when they really didn't need to, to still make that push. And if they're going to make a push in the playoffs even, it's going to be because they get a hot Snell and Darvish and Musgrove. And you have an opportunity to stop being all win now and to actually reset your farm system. Uh, I know our friend Clay Snowden, he has proposed to me an article about how AJ Preller is the most irresponsible GM in professional sports. (laughs) And so the idea that this would happen, I I think it's clear that it won't. But if you were to just zoom out and Mm -hmm. look at their situation, Mm -hmm. you're however many, was it four games under 500, something like that, six Mm -hmm. games back in a wild card race. And you have a chance with a player who still has control beyond this season to potentially acquire three, four blue chip prospects, maybe trade them 80 cents on the dollar for what you acquired them for last year, knowing that you still have Machado, Tatis, and Bogarts. Why wouldn't you trade them? Ooh, okay, okay, okay. So I'm zooming out. This has been the question for a while now. And I will say there is a precedent for the Padres being able to like dig themselves out, right? Like the Padres, and I bring this up a lot, but you know, like in 2015, they do the the Kimbrel, Upton, uh, Myers things, and including giving up Trey Turner, and that hurts them. And I think that if you just told someone that, they're like, oh, that GM probably like got fired two years later, right? It's like, no, he didn't, and he actually bounced back. Um, if there's one thing that Preller doesn't get enough credit for, uh, it would be that. Like, he's been in some precar- precarious situations before. 2021 collapse. Everyone's like, what the heck are they going to do? This is awful. Uh, they just completely blew it, missed the playoffs. Like, this guy's this guy's done. And then we have Tatis, you know, with the suspension and everything, or, or at the time, the injury. Like, w- what is he going to do? There's nothing on the free agent market, right? They couldn't get anybody. And then look what happens, right? Last year happens. And they, they put together a winning team still. Um you're right. Like if they were able to make it last year, it's reasonable to believe that full year of Tatis and, you know, full year of Xander Bogarts and you still have Machado that that should be okay. Maybe you can hope for someone like Cronenworth to step up. You know, maybe, maybe you make a minor trade at the deadline, you know, replace Matt Carpenter with literally anybody, I guess, but like, it, it makes sense. I can see it. Like you could, you could do both at the same time, dare I say, where you could be a seller and then still vaguely, still try and kind of go for it. It's possible. And it, it's weird because like you said, they're, they're so indebted to this roster. That's like Blake Snell, like he's a free agent after this year. You got to worry about, you know, what, what are Lugo and Waka going to do? Cause they've been do, uh, doing so well. Um, I just think that it comes back to how much of their farm they traded. Like, are they ready to just give up on that? And he's been so good for them that I think that it's just too tantalizing of a player to let go of. Um, like I, I truly do, but you know, maybe this is a contract thing. And maybe this is one of those things where we won't be able to know until much later. Like 
there could be a report that it's like, yeah, they actually started looking for offers, like pretty like trade offers, because maybe Boris and company made it very clear that he doesn't want to sign for a, a contract that maybe we thought he was going to accept uh, and want. So, I mean, remember, he turned out a pretty chunky deal for the Nationals, all things considered. And, and we, we complain about cheap owners. The Nationals gave like a pretty good offer, um, all things considered, just, you know, he could get more. And I am wondering if maybe the Padres might be saying, you know, maybe that Bogart signing, maybe the Manny extension, did they know? And they just said, you know what? We're keeping him because he's going to help us these next two years. Maybe they might. I, I just can't get over that. You know what I mean? I can't get over them doing all of those moves except extending the guy that you traded the future for, essentially. It's just something doesn't add up. It's either irresponsible GM, like our buddy Clay wants to write about. I called him the Russell Westbrook of MLB, where he's thrilling and exciting, but incredibly inefficient, AJ Preller. But it's just not to get all like, you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy hobby, but maybe they're, they've been kind of thinking this all along that they're like, hey, if something goes wrong, maybe we should trade him because that's why they signed Bogart. That's why they signed Darvish. That's why they extended Cronenworth and Machado, that maybe they know that they're not going to be able to send this guy. It's, it remains to be seen. I think maybe you, you make that trade and, and you think, all right, well, we have the deep pockets to be able to extend them. Mm-hmm. And you start having conversations, like you said, yeah. and, and it doesn't go anywhere. And it, it's clear, I, I think because of his age, because of his agent, he's going to be a free agent. He's going to make it to free agency. I really believe that to be the case. And that's what puts you in this awkward position where I, I feel like in some respects for both of these teams, they'd be, we would hate it because we got to make daily content on them and we want to see these teams win so that yeah. we don't have where we have something to talk about in August and September um, and even hopefully October. But you could also say for 2024, it'd be best for both of these teams to keep losing so that there's no hope at the deadline and they're a responsible <laughs> yeah. seller. Because the thing is, there's not a lot of sellers at yeah. this deadline. Mm-hmm. And these two teams, if you were to shop Michael Waka, if you were to shop yep. Blake Snell, if you yep. were to shop Josh Hader, they could be the biggest and best sellers at this deadline. Could dictate everything, yeah. And, but it probably won't happen. The Mets, I don't. I think the Mets are in a position where what they have to sell isn't as good as what the Padres have to sell. Mm-hmm. Because unless you're eating all the money on Max Scherzer, what's that going to do for you? And even then, he hasn't pitched that well. Yeah. Like they can sell Tommy Pham. Um, they could get He's crazy. And, you know. Exactly. And, and unless they're getting crazy and trading Pete Alonso, which I don't oh. expect them to do. Oh, that'd be spicy. <laughs> it would be, but oh, I, it's man. not going to happen. The guy, yeah. the guy, he, he's, he's too much of a, of a franchise face that they're not going to, they're not going to do that. So again, mm. I, I think that both of these teams are in really weird spots. And I think the Padres um, have a chance to really, really capitalize. But I, 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 th- I would, I believe that the Mets would be sellers more than I believe the Padres will be sellers um, just based on who their mm-hmm. GMs are. I could see the Mets actually having that come to Jesus moment in two weeks where Steve Cohen eats all the contracts and tries to get as much as possible and they punt mm-hmm. the season. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think Preller and company are crazy enough to still go for it and trade Jackson Merrill and Dylan Lesko and, and the catcher who's 16 years old already playing in pro ball. Like it's not beyond them. Anything is possible. But equally, though, anything is possible in terms of the other way, right? So, like you said, maybe they trade for Soto, thinking, of course, we'll be able to extend him, and then he asked for seven hundred and fifty million or whatever the heck, and they said no way. 
I don't know, but I think that um, it is such an unusual market. The teams that were going to projected to be sellers are like winning. You know, the Giants are probably the number one for that. Where like they have Cobb and they have Lamont Wade, they have all these pieces that every team want. J- J.K. Apparently from them, they're actually just straight up competing because they're the Giants. They know what they're doing. Uh, you could argue maybe D-backs a tiny bit if they didn't reach their full potential. You know, anyone from the American League East, uh, I think, might have been up there. But it's just very like it's such a weird market. The White Sox, but the White Sox, I don't think want to sell what people actually want. It's a classic like, oh, we'll give you. What is it the Yankees fans would do? The Miguel and Duhar, like yeah, <laughs> all Miguel the players Duhar, we don't treasure. Yeah, it's just incredible. Um, I, I think you're right, man. The Padres could really reset big time. Um, and if they did that, I know fans would probably be really upset. But if you do that, assuming you get the right value and assuming Preller's able to pull it off, which he has before, I mentioned, I mean, hey, trade James Shield at the right times, isn't he? You know what I mean? Trade that guy at the right time. So, like, it's totally possible that they go into the market and they say, Let's reset. We're going to be awesome for next year. We already have our three stars. We have Tatis, Bogarts, Manny. Let's get rid of Soto because we don't think we can extend him. Get a decent amount back. Rekindle our depth with a team that's seen, you know, Adrian Morajon and Ray Kerr and Reese Neer come up and not do anything, right? Like they've, they've had these Matthew Batten, not, not trying to be mean, but they don't have a lot of farm guys that have been able to come up and be contributors. So maybe they're thinking... All right, well, we already have the stars, so let's now build around them. Um, it would be responsible, maybe not as fun. It's not the sexy thing to do at the deadline. So I don't think they're going to do it because, again, I think Preller is just – he's addicted to the thrill. This guy watches Uncut Gems to go to sleep. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I think this guy does. Like, I think he watches the most nerve-wracking movies in the world, to, and that puts him to, to sleep. <laughs> I think that's that, how this guy is. <laughs> that is a terrifying notion. I can't even imagine laying in bed watching Uncut Gems. Uh, look, I, I think it's crazy because if they did it, they would have the best reliever on the market in Josh Hader, the best yep. starter in Blake Snell, the best yep. bat in Juan Soto, and then they could probably add on, you know, Michael Walker, Seth Lugos. Like, they could yep. – they could completely rebuild, rebuild a farm system in 48 hours, and instead they're going to trade everything uh, to get – I don't even know who the player is because there's not a lot available at this deadline, but it's going to be fun to watch regardless. And if any of you want to pay attention to all of the drama on that side, if you're sick of all the drama with, with the Mets and you want to see another team that will just <laughs> – Keep you tuned in for a soap opera of a season. You can watch Javi Reyes with his jester hat over on Locked On Padres. Uh, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, me at Finkelstein Ryan, him at Javi Pano with two eyes. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back with more content with this season about to pick up in a couple of days here. We'll see what these teams have in store for us.